0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Yeah. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Champion Houston Astros, and speaking of the Astros, I think most Astro followers are thinking this is a great day. Again, want to remind you, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in today, lots of interviews, so now is a good time to get in, or um, the first segment of the 10 o'clock hour, or the third segment at about 9.35 or 9.40. Uh, We'll be having our weekly conversation with Koki Riley in the next segment, and then in the 10 o'clock hour, we plan on talking to Lafayette Christian head football coach Trev Falk and you are women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. The big news of the morning is that the Yankees have agreed to a contract with Aaron Judge nine years, 360 million. And, and it's not unusual because I have different opinions than than most in most subjects or on many subjects than the um than the you know most of the country not on everything some things I, I, I kinda agree with most but um I um I, I don't think I, I don't get it for the Yankees. I mean I get it but I don't get it. In other words, if I'm a Yankee fan I'd have really been hoping that John Heyman was right and that he was going to the Giants. If I was a Yankee fan, I'd be wanting him to go to the Giants. I I totally get how important from a business standpoint Aaron Judge is to the Yankees. I get it. But if I'm a fan, I don't really care how much money the owner makes. I mean, what fan cares about how much money the owner makes. I I, I don't get that. Signing nine year contracts I am not a fan of. Um at all. I mean, unless it the guy's really young and he ain't built like Aaron Judge. I mean, my I, I mean, I look, I don't know anything about science or physics or physical therapy or anything, but I mean, bodies like that just seem like they're going to break down more than a body like a Trey Turner. I I just – he's already had an injury history. Now, he's been healthier lately, but he's got a pretty serious injury history, and how is that body not going to break down? And nine nine years. Now, I know he's not an everyday center fielder, but nine years – I mean, I don't really the 360. You know that it is what it is. I mean, uh, it's not that. It's man. I just, I just don't see how this makes him a better baseball team. I, I just don't see how it does. How it makes a more vi- a more of a threat to win the World Series. I don't see it. If I was a Yankee fan, I would I would have been wishing he went to the Giants. But that's um that's me. I don't look at it a little di- the same as as most people do. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
2: Yes, good morning.
1: Good morning. Kevin. Yes, sir. You said something.
2: I called you in reference to that contract, but you said something about the fans not caring how much money the owners make. And there's the problem. They should because they'll come down on the players hard and heavy-handed, and you know this, especially in football, for the amount of money they make, but they can care less about the amount of money that the owners are making.
1: Oh, so you're saying from the other? Yeah, I get what you mean. I, in other words, m- what I meant was like it, it's not an imp- it's not a priority for me that the owners make more money. But you're saying because if you make that a priority, if you wouldn't care that, then you are. I, I get it. Yeah, no, I I think especially in football, I think players get the raw deal in the po- public perception. I agree with you.
2: Exactly. But listen, three hundred sixty million over nine years, the Yankees got a deal.
1: Oh no! I, a no, I I agree. The three hundred and sixty is the nine
2: year part. I don't, part, I'm not I don't the like. Biggest baseball fan, but I've heard of Aaron Judge. That's a they got a steal there.
1: No, you again, yeah. Oh, look, nine years, three hundred and sixty. The money, the, the money. I wouldn't blink an eye at. It's the nine years part because. You know, look, like when Pujols signed that mega deal, and look, Aaron Judge ain't half the a Pujols hit was. Now, he's probably a little more athletic long-term maybe, but you know what I'm saying? His body's so big, how is it not going to break down when he's 35, 36, 37? I just, I just, uh, this, this contract would scare me to death. I would not like it at all if I was a Yankee fan.
2: Because when I heard about the amount, I looked it up, and I saw the, um, the player with the California Angels, and he's been there forever. In a day, Mike Trout, uh huh. He'll he'll he makes more annually than do, what this contract will give Judge, and his contract was signed maybe his last contract was signed maybe three four years ago.
1: No, I agree, and
2: he'll make more annually.
1: Now, well, I mean, so. Trout theoretically is a better player, but they didn't want anything with him either. I just, I. I I, I think it's a basketball mentality to put to sink that many. Uh, in basketball, you can afford to do that, but baseball, he only—he's not even like you only get to. He only gets to bat one time out of every nine, and he doesn't even play a plus defensive position. I, I just don't understand it from a baseball standpoint.
2: Well, I say the Yankees got away with the steal. I wish it could have been more for him and this I say this as someone who doesn't even watch baseball. <laughs> anyway.
1: No, have a I, good day for I understand. Thanks for the call. Um man, we haven't talked much baseball, but by the end of today, and then we got, you know, Aaron Judge making up his mind and announcing it's kinda like the first chip the domino that fall, and then theoretically all this other stuff's gonna start happening. But man, it's been it's been crazy. This, you know, you know, t- the Phillies are just them. Cats are in hot pursuit. The Philly, the Phillies and the Rangers are in hot pursuit. I'm, I, I, I'm a little concerned from an Astro standpoint because look, the, the, the rain, the, the, I'm worried the national, the American League West fixing to be the best division in baseball. Like the Mariners are good. They got good young players. If they improve themselves at all, uh, they're going to be good. And and the Rangers are going to be good. I know everyone loves to laugh at the Rangers, but they got a Hall of Fame manager now in Booga Boach. Um, you know, they got, man, I hate that. The, I don't like, like, they got a big-time middle infield and now if DeGrom ever pitches, and they added Haney, who's not great, but he's good, if they get any pitching, and their bullpen last year for a bad team was pretty good. Their bullpen was pretty good for a bad team. So I I don't know. I'm a little worried about the Rangers and, and you know, the, the angels are all, the little MVPs are always going to try to throw money at stuff. I don't know. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, yes, sir. How you doing today? Oh, a little bit better than yesterday. It was well,
3: good because
1: uh, I was in a good in a
3: good mood yesterday. Not at all. Oh, was... how can an idiot, when you running the clock down, throw a pass on third down rather than running it, and burning another? 35, 36 seconds.
1: Well, I agree, but again, they they should have never even been in that situation. Bozo, you can't run out of bounds one yard short of the first down. And the reason you have why to they
3: remind me of that, huh?
1: The reason why they threw the ball and look, I understand what everyone's saying because they can't run the ball. In the last month, they've had fewer rushing yards than at any time in a four-year period since four-week period since Ditko was coach. They can't run the ball because they don't have any running backs. And well, so that's
3: I, their fault. No, least, I agree as with far that. As for the coaches, that they got to go. I, I don't often, other than, you know, who are criticized uh, coaches and managers. But, I mean, they they just don't do it. Now, flip the page to Mr. Judge. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go far to look and find why you don't do that contract that they did yesterday you ever heard of John Carlos Stanton injured?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I get it.
3: Every year he sits out a, a few games, half a season. You know, it, it's he, he'll be, the judge will be all right for a couple of days. And the second part of that is how often John Carlos standing stent- again? How often? Do these players get a big contract and just go down from there?
1: I really think Judge is a stand-up guy. Uh I think he's got a, I think he's a good character guy. I don't have any issues with that. Now, what you're saying may absolutely come to be true. That could happen. But I really think Judge is a high character guy. I don't have any issues with that. I just um it's not like he's a cancer in the clubhouse. I don't think anything like that. I, I just I just don't like signing guys who are already thirty to nine year contracts when when they have an injured history and they don't play a prime position. And the problem is, if he plays center field, it would be an even worse contract. Even even though he does play, he did play some center field this this past season. You you, he yeah. just I don't know. I don't get it. I wouldn't do but, it. I uh, wouldn't want to do it if I, if I was a fan of the Yankees. I this would not be a good day for me.
3: Well, uh, my I'm looking at the contract. If I was in his position, I'd have did the same thing. Took the money.
1: They yeah, but he was going to gonna me. get mega I'll money either way. I mean, he you know he was going to get mega money I mean, either way. And then I uh,
3: uh, read somewhere as where the Giants had offered even more.
1: That's what it seems like. Yes. Oh, so,
3: all right, Kevin. All right. Maybe we can get in two weeks. We can get back into the football mood.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, sir.
3: Okay. Thank you, Kevin. It's Bye-bye.
1: um oh, it's certainly certainly very sickening the whole football thing going on right now for sure. Um let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning.
4: So did you uh so I remember Friday you said you wanted them to take the point. So so how did it turn out? How do you think it turned out that for them to take the points instead of going for it a couple down, did you had a? Did you have any options to go for it to make it better? Well, or you Does could have, I
1: mean, but when, when you consider how bad they've been in the red zone, like let, let let's say when 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 Superman should have got the first down the first time, and, and his effort was terrible, uh, and, and and it was like fourth and one and a half from like the 10 and a half to eleven yard line. Like, even if you make that first down, what are the chances that you're going to score a touchdown anyway because you've been so horrible in the red zone all year? So I, I you had to kick the field goal. I, I don't question any of the field goal go-fars that they had. It's just that when your defense plays that well for three quarters and they give you the ball back, you have to, like, seriously, have you ever seen someone do what what what, what Mark Ingram did? He just – he just, just said, okay, I don't want to get the first down. I mean, he looked like he was point-shaped.
4: It, 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 I said the same thing. I said he definitely bet down. <laughs> <It was> like,
1: <laughs> what
4: about the – it's almost as worse as – who is the Detroit quarterback that ran out the back of the – Well, zone? but that was just an
1: was... accident. Like, this was just – I mean, I can see how you lose track of where you are on the field, but he's running and he's running right at the the first down marker, like there's no way. I mean, it's right in front of him. All you got to do is take one step to the left, and the game's over. I mean, it's
4: just it's so crazy. So hey, so Verlander's contract. What you what you think about that one? I mean,
1: well, is... again, I, I think forty three and a half million or something like that. I think that's too much for a forty year old pitcher who just two years ago didn't pitch at all because he was out all year. That's just I'm I mean, good for him, but I mean, I I, I I didn't want the Astros to pay him that much. And
4: I think, I think Bellinger got the best out of all. He got a one-year contract for $17 million. I mean. I,
1: I, I wanted no part of that punk. I'd rather lose than have that punk on my team. <laughs>
4: hey, before I go, you like M&M's with peanuts or no peanuts?
1: Got to have peanuts. I don't even really like M&M's without peanuts. Got to have peanuts.
4: Boy, you're not now you're finally back to you're a human being. No, not <laughs>
1: have a good day. Take care. Got to have peanuts. I ain't into that Reese's Pieces. I saw the movie ET, but I, I, I'm not into that Reese's Pieces. I I, I gotta have nuts. I gotta have. I mean, it's not worth eating if it doesn't have nuts in it, in my opinion. They got some newfangled M- other M&Ms that I probably haven't tried that I might like, but I'm not into Reese's Pieces, and I'm not really a fan of M&Ms without uh, nuts. I mean, I'll eat them, but I won't like. Oh, this is great. I I gotta have nuts. I agree with that. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back, shift gears, talk LSU football with Cokie Riley next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The Lil' MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and footnotes. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back. Speaking of great female vocalist, the Whitney Houston movie giveaway. I want to dance with someone. If you would like to win a sneak peek preview of the new biographical movie on Whitney Houston, simply need to text Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, to 68683. Text Whitney to 68683. You might win a pair of tickets for a sneak peek preview on december the 20th at the celebrity theater in broussard this great uh i want to dance with somebody sneak preview brought to you by a brian jewelers and the game southwest louisiana sports station all right we have with us as we have just about every wednesday this football season Cokie riley of the usa today network how are you sir
5: doing great how's it going
1: Oh, it was a rough Monday night, and that made for a rough Tuesday, but I'm trying to not think about it too much. I'm trying to focus on the baseball uh, hot stove league. That's a lot more enjoyable.
5: I can I can uh,
1: I can kind of see why for sure. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> yes. a lot more enjoyable. I still don't know why Wilson Contreras is all of a sudden babe roof in the minds of some people, but still more enjoyable to discuss. All right, so man, you know, I was thinking in the last three or four weeks, it has been um just such a range of emotions for LSU fans. And I think the end result is good. You and I agree on that last week. Look, they've done way more and they're way in way more conversations than any of us really reasonably could have thought. But, you know, it's just been so, some greatness and then some really bad thing. What were you kind of thinking after after Saturday's game?
5: Well, um, I, I think, I don't remember exactly what I was thinking about Saturday's game, but to sort of, um, I guess, answer your answer your point um, in a more expansive term. I think just what I'm trying to say is that at the very beginning of the year, I think we thought that this team would have high highs and low lows because um, they'd lose some games they shouldn't, and they'd win some games they also shouldn't because they have this top-tier talent, Guys like Ojolary, guys like Keishawn like Bouti, but they also have some depth concerns, and um, and and they're just, you know, uh, like trying to take out some of the kinks in the system here because it's the first year with a brand new coaching staff, tons of new players, especially from the transfer portal, yada yada yada, all that stuff. Um, and we did sort of get a version of that right with the Texas A&M loss, with some close games against Auburn and. Arkansas um, games that they probably should have won by multiple scores, and then we also got beating Alabama, and winning the SEC West. Granted, all of that came out more on the positive side, and they're definitely ahead of schedule. That that's that doesn't change my opinion on that. But there was a little bit of that um, up and downness, I guess, from this season. Uh, I mean, it's it, not just you know losing. The Texas a and of course, but the blowout against the blowout loss against Tennessee, the ugly loss against Florida State—like it wasn't a perfect season by any means. This wasn't TCU, um, but yeah, of course, for, the, uh, for and the and the larger picture, they're definitely had a schedule. And um, but there's just still work to be done against that Georgia level for sure.
1: All right, so I think bowl games are very tricky deals. I think. In most cases, they're blown up way out of proportion in terms of how important they really are. Uh, in terms of where LSU is, I mean, how, how do you kind of look at this bowl game? Not so much the, the the football matchup against Purdue. We'll We'll do that more down the road. But in terms of does this bowl game mean anything for LSU's program or is it right now more about, you know, getting healthy and recruiting and all of that right now?
5: I think getting healthy and recruiting and um, figuring out the transfer portal, I think all that stuff is in, in the big picture, especially more important. Um, like, it would be nice to win this game and to finish the year with 10 wins um, after uh, after two, you know, six-win seasons. I, I think that's a that would be a heck of a success. Um, but at the same time, like, but the focus of this program right now is still – Building up the roster, building up the depth of it—not you know, just keeping recruits, but expanding that 2023 pool, expanding the 2024 pool, uh, adding pieces necessary in the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, getting boosts like Kayshawn Booty coming back for next season, like that is huge for this team uh, for next year's team. That I think if things roll the right way from them and they add, and they are able to rebuild the secondary enough and. Um, they look, and and it all uh, looks pretty good by the end. Like I, I think that that they the, they could be a really really good team next season. So um, yeah, like I I think that's offseason stuff's more important than the bowl game for sure.
1: Without nil, what chances do you give Kayshawn Booty coming back?
5: Uh, he is back. I uh, I mean the fact that he announced that um he's coming back next season is is really really huge news for this lsu program um it may have cost them jack bash but i think if you're an lsu fan you're willing to take that trade off um i think the fact that it's really remarkable his turnaround right because i think at the beginning of the season and especially last offseason i think there was definitely a sense that he was um, going to leave, or heck, there was even a sense after the Forest Day game that he was going to quit the team um, it, just because uh, he even admitted it. Like, he definitely thought about entering the transfer portal last offseason when the new coaching staff came in, and no one would have to- totally blamed him uh, just given all the change that was surrounding the program and uh, all the uncertainty. And, and then he had that really frustrating game against Florida State and that really frustrating start to the season, but he's really stuffed up emotionally. and and his maturity level has really improved throughout this year. He's become uh, a a leader within that program. And the fact that Brian Kelly not only was able to develop, like, physically, was not only uh, mentally maturing him, but also was able to talk him into coming back this season and potentially improving his NFL draft odds by doing that, and not say you know just preparing for the draft and going to the combine and whatnot and improving his stock through there, that's that speaks volumes to where uh, to, to Kelly's standing within the program right now. That and the fact that there's at the moment there's only four uh, players in the transfer portal from LSU and two of them we already knew were going to going to go in there and Antoine Sampa and uh, Philip Webb at the beginning of the year. So I, again. I, I think things are going in the right direction so far. It's been a slower start to the offseason, season, but I, I think. But, um, but but what I'm saying is, sure. but
1: what I'm saying is, if there were, if he already has the, you know, signed nil deal. So if there what, if there was no nil, like, you know, most of the, our our lives, would he still would he have made that decision to stay, or do you think he'd have gone pro already? He would have decided.
5: Oh, um. I think NIL definitely played a factor, maybe not quite as big of a factor as some. Uh, he's he said that it didn't play a huge factor in his decision to originally stay last offseason. Um, I don't know how much bigger a factor that it that it played in terms of him staying for next year. Um, I, I think all that is, uh, I think all that's kind of uh, in in the gray area. Um, but I, I really do think it's mostly him. Most of this is him stepping up and realizing what LSU is building here, and um, kind of caring about his legacy when it comes to. I mean, it, I, I mean, I, I've spoken with this coach before. Like, his goal since his freshman year of high school was to be the next star wide receiver at LSU, and it, this was this decision is just consistent with that thinking. I think so. I, I think it's it's mostly that, but you know, NIL plays a factor with a lot of these guys for sure.
1: All right, so with Jack Besh, do you think it was purely about playing time or deeper than that?
5: I think it was mostly about playing time. Um, obviously, this was a very tough decision for him. He's been an LSU fan his entire life. Uh, he has tons of friends, on the, tons of very close friends on the team. So it's not, this isn't a relationship strain to me. This isn't, he's not buying into Kelly's system or any, or any of that sort of stuff. Um, this to me, feels very purely that I'll have more of an opportunity playing somewhere else, and you know, getting a higher snap count, getting a higher target share, all that sort of stuff. Because, uh, because all the intangible sort of stuff, the relationship part, aspect of of him within the team, it, all that seems very seemed very sound, if not extremely strong. It was just that the opportunities were going to be few and far between, especially with Keishon Booty coming back next season. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough decision, but I, I think, I mean, if I were in, in his shoes, I probably would have made some done something similar.
1: How do you see the next, say, two years for Walker Howard?
5: I don't think he starts next year. I think next year he is uh, either the backup or he is probably the backup period next season because... If Jaden Daniels comes back, my guess is Garrett Nussmeyer enters the transfer portal either in this window or the next. And if he's not the backup, Garrett Nussmeyer will probably be the starter. I mean, there's a chance Walker could could play ahead of him if uh, Jaden left this off season and it was a battle between Nuss and Walker. Uh, but yeah, like I think most likely the backup this year and the next year. I think he, it would be. I'd be surprised if he wasn't the starter.
1: Running quarterbacks have much more of a place in the NFL right now than they have ever for me. And so 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I'd have said absolutely no way on Jaden Daniels. But I don't know. So what do you what you think there's – what chances do you give of him coming out?
5: Oh, that's a good question. I did a whole story sort of perusing that idea about a few weeks ago. Um, I think – I lean toward it being uh, closer to a 50-50, um, but man, if, if I had to take a guess, I think he goes out just because that was the plan all along, and he did prove something by playing in the SEC this season and playing fairly well. Um, I, I, there is the mobility aspect, as you mentioned. I think he can go in and be a top-four-round pick right away. I mean, that's, that's that was the conversation I had with, um, Chad, Reuter, who co- tried Chad Reuter, who covers uh, the draft for NFL.com, um, he said late second to fourth round. Late second is, the, is a very, very high estimate for sure, um, but you know, third or fourth round, something like that. He reminded him of a guy like Kellen Mond, which was which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't think Jane Daniels is like a shoe in starter, heck, at any point in his career, but uh, I, I think. You know, if if his odds, if he thinks his odds are high enough of being a third round pick and getting some of that money, and I the professional football is definitely uh, squarely on his mind, then I think he'll do it. But at the same time, you know, this LSU offense just can't be really, really good next year, as we've already sort of discussed, right? So um, it's a young unit that's going to bring back almost everybody, well, at least projected to bring back bring back almost everybody and improve. So. Um, I mean, with that in mind, it's it's a good opportunity to improve your stock even more for the NFL with all those pieces coming back, like the way, say, Hendon Hooker did before his injury, or a guy like Kenny Pickett did the year before. So I I I think it's a tough decision, but if I do if I have to guess, I, I think he goes out, but it's, it'll be close for
1: sure. Again, we're speaking with Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network. So, do you have any early inclinations of? players who have you know major parts get whether they're starters or primary backups that won't be participating in the bowl game for whatever reason or do you think it's way too early for that
2: um
5: i think those decisions are being made right as we speak um i i think that uh off the top of my head i think bj i would be really surprised if bjo jolari played in this bowl game for example um, I, I just feel like he would have too much to lose, and he's a guy who's going to be a borderline first-round pick. Um, so that's that's one. Um, Ali Gay, he'll, he'll be preparing for the draft. He's already been invited to the senior bowl. Uh, guys like that. Uh, Keishan Boosie would have definitely bet on this list for me, but uh, again, he's coming back next season, so he'll almost certainly be playing in the bowl game. That's a big boost for eligible bowl game odds. Uh, Jaden Daniels, who we just talked about, definitely going to be named to watch. Uh, maybe one of the running backs, not, maybe perhaps not Josh Williams. I think Josh Williams will be back next season, if I had the main guess. But maybe Emery or uh, Kane takes a, take, takes their cracks at the NFL. Um, uh, maybe another one the end of the receivers into the portal. Never, you never know. A guy like Brian Thomas or Chris Heldon could just see that. could just see that, you know, we, they just don't have the potential tar- target share with Uh, Boutique coming back. Maybe they just enter the portal. I mean, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's likely at all, but um, just throwing out some options there. And I mean, the secondary, of course, like how many of those guys, even if they do have a year year of eligibility back, like, are they going to even exercise that and just, you know, start preparing for the draft instead? So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be decisions that are going to need to be made. Uh, Michael Baskerville's another name to watch, too. So uh, it's going to be interesting, for sure. But I think O'Gelary is like is the easiest answer, but there's also a ton of other potential options as
1: well. All right, one quick question looking forward to the bowl and then again we'll get more to it. Is this going to be like one of the top two um kind of really chores or assignments for the secondary against a passing game or would you not put it quite that high?
5: Um so, like, how much – how much, how like, how like, dangerous is Purdue through the air for this LSU team? Is that what you're asking?
1: Well, just that's the like. passing game part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um,
5: it, it it won't be easy. I mean, Purdue, out of all the teams in the Big Ten, this is the one that's probably uh, the most aggressive through the air, not named Ohio State. Uh, so, that's, that, that's definitely going to be sort of an interesting match. I mean, Charlie Jones has been one of the best receivers, heck, in the Big Ten this year. Um, well, arguably the most productive. Uh, and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is better, but uh, Charlie Jones has had more receiving yards this season, for example. Uh, so I, I think that yeah, that's that's going to be that's going to be a tough challenge for them. Um, they are pretty tur- they are pretty prone in terms of turning over the ball. I know mean, Connell has thrown what thirteen interceptions this season, if I'm rem- remembering that correctly off the top of my head. So uh, th- 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 I mean, if they could force some mistakes the same way Michigan did in the Big Ten title game, but you know this game won't be it won't be easy. LSU is kind of heavily favored uh, by more than a, by by a score eight point eight points I believe, but, um, but yeah, that's, it's uh it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Let's let's see how 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 ready and how deep this LSU secondary is from kind of what we were just talking about with. Um, with not only the transfer portal, of course, but with the NFL draft uh, uh, around the corner. Like, how, how deep and how capable will they be, will they be able to be the uh, stop guys, or or are they going to have to play young guys like, uh, like Terrence Walsh in
1: this game? So right. it'll be interesting to see. All right, sir. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. And, yeah, they have um, – it's going to be interesting. Not just LSU, all over the country. I mean, that's that's like a major uh, issue for teams that go to bowls who are not in the play. I mean, if you're in the playoff, pretty much everybody plays. Some of them don't, but mo, you know. But if you're not in the playoff, it's it's tough. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every
0: weekday at 8:15 a.m. and 3:15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update presented by Tibbs Trailers. Here on the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the Game. Want to remind you about our Christmas comes early sweepstakes, the game. Would, put, would like for you to win a $500 Visa gift card as well as Armantar Jewelers. We appreciate them presenting this great prize. Simply enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you could win a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy to get eligible. All you have to do is join the Game Rewards Club and, again, you could win a Christmas come early sweepstakes powered by Armantar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette, 104, 1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, the baseball activity is just hot and heavy. We talked about the big announcement earlier. If you didn't hear earlier this morning, Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million, uh, with the Yankees. Um, if you did not hear yesterday, Mitch Haniger had signed with the Giants. I guess he's kind of the quad would that happened before the judge thing uh news came out anyway, but maybe that was part of maybe they knew that he wasn't gonna sign with the Giants. That's why Mitch Haniger was signed uh as of you know, like a a plan B kind of option there. Kinley Jansen, closer signed 2 years 32 million with the Red Sox, Kinley Jansen. I mean, the Red Sox haven't had you know, the closer's been an issue for them for a while. So, while I'm not the biggest Kinley Jansen fan, um, you know, he's he's certainly been effective at times in his career. Uh and so that was uh, an interesting signing and Jose Quintana, 2 years 26 million with the Mets. Man, the National League East. Them cats are in hot pursuit. I mean, the Phillies are signing everyone. The Mets are you know, they they've been signing a whole bunch of people since last year and this year. And the Braves are still very good, obviously. Um, you know, and then you know, they don't have they they're eligible this year. The Braves were ineligible for the World Series last year, but they're eligible again this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, technically, the Phillies are not really eligible this year. But, man, they are trying. They are trying. You got to give them an A for effort, the Phillies. They signing everybody. They are trying to be the Dodgers, the Punks. And they got a few Punks on their team. But not, And I don't think, I don't really, their guys don't run me the wrong way like the Punks do. But, um. Wow. The Mets, the Phillies keep putting as keep getting as much talent in that division. I mean, there's already too much talent in in the Astros division. Like it's getting out of hand. So, it we need we need to keep pushing all the talent in the National League East. I'm all for that. I mean, that that just gives them, you know, the one of the two ESPN divisions, you know, everyone just go there and let them, you know, Talk, get all the coverage all year long. That's good. I like that. That's that's good. Um the Padres supposedly offered Judge 10 years four hundred million. So and and again, that doesn't surprise me, but the pot pa- the like the Padres, like they offer everyone. They offer Trey Turner supposedly more money. Then the Phillies gave him. That was a geography thing by all accounts. Like, you know, he's from around that area. His wife's from around that area. That's a geography thing. I thought all along that Judge was going to be a geography thing and that he was going to go home, but he didn't want it. Obviously, uh, Trey Turner, as good as he did for the Punks, was. is more of an East Coast guy than a than a Flake Coast guy. So, um, again, he's not in the American League, so I'm good with that. I mean, I'll play anybody in the World Series. You get in the World Series, you're going to have to play tremendous and get pitching and everything anyway. So I'll play anybody in the World Series. Um, and hopefully the Astros can do that again this year. But this upcoming year during this hammock season. But And by the way, I, I, I've had some people make some comments that, that – make me think that they don't understand what I mean by hammock season. A hammock season is not a medicine season. A medicine season is only when you are a team that comes out of nowhere and or wins something big like going to the World Series or the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl when it was – for the first time in like ever, or like you know, in a long, long time. That that it's it it has nothing to do with anything else but that. Now there are a lot of things reasons why that didn't happen than the following year why medicine season happens like the Rams. I mean that was, you know they they, they didn't they were to the post a child for the medicine season. Now the Bengals were two. Not the poster child under a medicine season, and yet they seem to be they're handling it obviously much better. They, they, they found out early on how it happens, just like the Braves. I mean, the, the Braves found out early on w- why a medicine season is so difficult. And to their credit, they had a great medicine season. And then of course, you know, they were ineligible, so they didn't get to the World Series. But a hammock season is not, is not a medicine season. That, the hammock season has nothing to do with the team. That's a fan thing. Like that a hammock season just means I can sit back and relax, no pressure, no pacing, no screaming, no hollering. It's just play the game. I'm the champion. I got the crown. I mean, I'm just watching the game in a hammock. I mean, I I don't need I don't need to get all nervous. I'm the champion. You know, I, I got the trophy. And uh but it has nothing to do with medicine season. It's totally about the team. A hammock season is just about how the fan Handles the following season. No stress, none. All right, we will take a time out. Come back, finish out the first hour of the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Champion Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin. Foot on. The game. Want to remind you, World Cup is still going on. If you want to catch any of the exciting action down the stretch, don't forget Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette. Free over the air on KLWB channel 50.3 and Cox channel 19 for our Lake Charles area listeners. World Cup fans can watch Telemundo Lake Charles free over the air on channel 19.2 or Sudden Link channel 137. Enjoy all the. Exciting World Cup action on Delta Media. To finish that thought or to piggyback on that thought of uh, about baseball and medicine seasons and all of that. Um. And by the way, if you would like to get in the, next, the first segment of the next hours, it would be the best time. We're going to be doing some interviews after that. So if you would like to talk about Judge or... LSU after our conversation with koki or you still have some thoughts left uh about the um Saints situation certainly feel free to, to to give us a call in the in the next segment um but to piggyback on that medicine season thought you know it, it's you know it's early December so baseball season is a long way away but there's a lot of baseball discussion because the winter meetings are going on right now and you know all these Big-time players are signing deals, and we're kind of setting the stage for next year. But as we speak right now, like, there are more seemingly, and maybe I'm fooling myself, but it just seems like there are more legitimate legitimate World Series candidates than I can remember in a long time. Like, It would be hard to say, even though the Phillies are really in a medicine season, I I think they're ineligible. But it would be hard to say if for those for most of the country doesn't understand the concept of medicine season. So you would have to say the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies are in it. Um, You would have to say at least the Punks are still in it. They're always in it. You would have you know they because they're the Yankees. People are going to say the Yankees. Um, um, the Astros, I don't know that many people will go to the Mariners, but I kind of think, and, and, and the Guardians, you know, signed Josh Bell and they got pitching. I mean, I, I don't know. There are a lot of seemingly legitimate. And then, I mean, you know, then you always have teams like the Blue Jays who might be willing to take that the Red Sox are this weird team where they're terrible and they're terrible and then boom they're World Series contenders and then they go back to being terrible they're just a strange outfit the the Red Sox so there's always one or two that you don't really expect but that could be and so I I don't know there's a lot of baseball teams look really good on paper right now another hour to follow stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros, Summercast on Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, now is the time to do so. We've been talking. We talked LSU football with Cokie Riley. And we talked a lot of Major League Baseball, believe it or not. And it's because there's all kind of stuff going on. If you have not heard Aaron Judge is officially remaining with the New York Yankees, signed a nine-year, 30, a nine-year, $360 million deal. I'm sure there are Yankee fans all over the world and country who are ecstatic about that decision. If I was one of them, I would not be. If the Yankees don't watch out, they're, gonna, they're trying to become the little MVPs themselves. But anyway, um, I don't know. Big difference of opinion there. We'll see how it plays out. I'm not a fan of nine, 10, 11 year contracts, uh, especially for 30 year old players that are built like Aaron Judge is built. But we'll see how it plays out. Um, if you also, in the, since the show started, Kinley, it was announced Kinley Jansen, closer, veteran closer, signed two years, 30, $32 million with the Red Sox and Jose Quintana signed a 2-year, $26 million deal with the uh with the Mets and you know Quintana's not an elite pitcher but he's a good solid pitcher. He did a great job for the Cardinals down the stretch. So I think that's a really good signing by the Mets. You know, they already got Verlander. They already have Scherzer. Man, that division's going to be something. Yeah, I mean it is. It is going to be something. The Astros are linked, and again, I don't know how true all this stuff is. I mean, I they're supposedly linked heavily with Wilson Contreras and Sean Murphy. Um, I'd rather have Sean Murphy just because Sean Murphy's under club control for several more years, like three more years, if not four. Like, he's he's under club control for a while. He's a better defensive catcher than Wilson Contreras, and... You know he's got pop too. I I don't. I don't know that Wilson. You know Wilson Contreras has never really had a great season. I I don't. I don't really get why all of a sudden everybody thinks this guy's. He's hit twenty something home runs before, but he's never driven any runs. He's he's never hit for much of an average. I don't. I'm not saying he can't be good because he has had three seasons where he's hit twenty something homers, but I don't know about him. I think I'd be more comfortable. I, I'd feel like you. I think Wilson Contreras has more of a ceiling, perhaps. But I think Sean Murphy is a safer pick. So if they don't re-sign Vasquez and they sign Sean Murphy or trade for Sean, I'm going to be very pleased with that. <laughs> very pleased. So we'll see how all that uh, plan t- pans out. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
6: Hey, Kev, Joey, howdy, sir. Didn't even get in yesterday. That's what happens when you make half the city mad, huh? Not you, but the Saints.
1: Well, I mean, I was in, that was awful. I mean, that, that's going to go down what? to one of the you know it's one of the worst losses in franchise history. That was awful.
6: And and while I agree, and I actually agree with the Ingram take, I was I was livid at the time. Right after the play happened, I was livid. That was before we didn't get the third down. And I basically said he gets that first and it's ball game because that's another two minutes, if not three, off the clock.
1: Yeah, if not and, more. Uh, and, and and that was that, just, that was yeah. awful. That, that was one of the worst and, things I've ever seen on a football field.
6: Yeah, and and look, there wasn't anybody within two, three yards of him. All he had to do was fall. I, and I get it. He was hurt. He was injured. Just fall down forward. Like you said, stick the ball out. And the way they were giving Chris Godwin spots all day, they'd have given him yeah, the first.
1: They better he got a I bad mean,
6: spot earlier when yeah. I thought he dove, and they it was a yard and a half back. But inexcusable apology accepted by him. But here's the big picture, Kevin. They did us a favor. They really did us a favor. And as much as the losing sucks. It I was. was awesome. I called you Monday and said, "This is the kind of game they win." They would have
1: had. They, a- they would have had a tremendous. They would have been the odds-on favorite to win the division if they win that game.
6: Would have been. That doesn't mean they would have. Yeah. Because this team, this team invents ways to lose. They'll probably lose in the 5 week. I, uh, I just it, it's. I don't buy it. There's that. so many, and and look, it's three drop passes by three different receivers. Uh, I'll give. Him the bye because he got hammered but the other two were inexcusable um uh, again uh, 12 men in a huddle from the one yard line inexcusable sorry that's coaching uh
1: um, but yeah but i think uh, they have i think you have a better chance of scoring from the sixth than the two
6: well two weeks in a row we've had second and goal from the three they ran the exact same plays both games did not get in. Batman. Should,
1: I, I think the solution is put Batman and quarterback in those plays, and they refuse to do it.
6: Three times in a row out of run, One of them he's going to bust. I don't care if he runs straight to the line. He's going to break one of them and get in two, three yards. You can't convince me otherwise. I'm at a point where I'm convinced there's something in his contract that says he's not allowed to play two plays in a row. I'm so sick of it. He gets in there, runs one play, does something really good, and then on comes Andy Dalton. You know, it's he'll get eight yards on first down, and then Andy Dalton comes in and lines up in a shotgun, and we're throwing him instead of just running them again. I'm 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 so frustrated with Carmichael. Not so much, but
1: again, Dennis but, Allen. But again, Casper DeQuitter did did worse. He used oh, him well, less. Well, other than the time when I'm talking about when he was when he was Batman. No, nah, nah, I'm obviously bat, he played him as a starting quarterback. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when he wasn't a starting quarterback, he never threw to him, and he never threw him. Like, they don't throw him enough, and they don't throw to him enough, but at least they're doing it some. So much of what we're talking about are criticisms with Carmichael. Casper did a worse job at that.
6: Well, I'm I'm, I'm at a point, like I said,
1: they did a. This is not a good
6: football team. Well, of, I, don't buy. All, I don't. I don't buy all that. I don't buy all it's that. It's got a lot look, of
1: talent on
6: look, it. Look, they it lost. They lost to the team, Yucks Kevin. They
1: lost to the Yucks the first time because officials took over the game. They lost to the okay. Falcons because they got cheated. They lost to the uh, Arnolds because the idiot running back fumbled. Um, you know, they, they, I, I don't buy all that stuff. They and got they the they lost of, to the bad they lost to the Ravens together. because they cannot stop the Ravens are just better than them and they don't match up with running quarterbacks at all.
6: You know what the one common denominator and all those examples are? They were losses, and that's all yeah, that matters. That, that's that's, and that's and result
1: losses. oriented thinking. I don't team, buy that.
6: This team invents ways to lose. Uh, I don't. I don't stop. agree
1: with that. But I don't agree with that. I, well, uh, I don't I don't think the they've been losing. I think this was the first loss like that
6: all season. Okay, well how bad is it? They had a touchdown to go ahead that Tom Brady threw and they actually called a holding penalty on it. Well, I've yeah, never seen that in my life. I agree,
1: but if they, it all, all idiot has to do is run one step to the left. I mean, and they win the game like uh, that 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 has nothing nope. to do with all of this. That you're talking well, about it does no, because no, that's what I don't, happened. I, don't and buy I agree.
6: On that. I think if Ingram gets that first, it's ball game. But he didn't, and our our defense just simply got gassed. And look, we do need to give Brady some credit when it comes to. He's like Drew Brees running that two-minute offense. He's never done that before balling.
1: in his career. I'm not giving him this maximum well, credit. That look, was a suicide mission him, by realize, Mark Ingram. You
6: realize this is this is the first touchdown they've scored against the Saints. In Tampa Bay since he's been there, so our defense, it's, its disheartening because our defense played their butts off. And once these again, last
1: two games, they look like a football team for the first time all season. And because a veteran running back can't do the the a hundred percent play, then the, their season's over when it should be just starting.
6: Well, look again, Olave. It's just that first drop of the year—that's a field goal.
1: Landry had a
6: drop. That's uh, a field goal. I agree. Aistram, again, he had a drop. He got hit. I'll and give it's... him that one. But, again, if he holds on, that's a field goal.
1: No, Back it's just a run out the the clock. three
6: is a field goal. We, we, we just, again, I, I don't see any imagination in our offense. I don't see really any urgency in our And the sad thing is, it might have been Andy Dalton's best game of the year, and that
0: didn't mean. Well, he had there's some no state. question it
1: was Andy Dalton's best game of the year. But again, I look. I'm upset and angry too. But I, I think I think a lot of things that they've done on offense are very frustrating, and you've and you've chronicled several of them in this phone call. But think about it: in the last month, the worst rushing offense. Month of rushing offense this century for the Saints. Even with that and a suspect offensive line uh, because of injuries, they have managed to move the football pretty consistently against some good defenses. So he's yeah, doing something right with 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 zero running game. The the bit, my biggest complaint about him, other than you know, I would throw Batman all the time. Uh, is they haven't figured out the red zone situation. That's the biggest issue. But All Kasper right, well, had years where he was, was terrible in the point, red zone.
6: To, to further my point about a bad team, you lead the league in penalties. You lead the league in
0: turnovers. You have well, the I think the Broncos takeaways. lead the league in penalties.
6: All that. Uh, again, they put us out of our misery, Kevin. I don't yeah. think even if we had won the division
1: I, and make the playoffs. Well that that's just, just that's just mean, I think that look, well, who cares? That, that I don't buy that mentality at all. At okay,
6: all. well you're the same guy that's saying don't the Philadelphia it. game as a loss.
1: Before well, yeah, we've even a taken a snap. Yes, for the
6: last seven weeks, you've said Philly's a loss. Philly's a loss. Well, you don't think weeks. Philly's going to be in the playoffs? What they're going to all of a sudden get better and beat them
1: in the playoffs? Well, no. I, I, I didn't say they couldn't be. I didn't. Say, they couldn't be filling the playoffs, but could they beat the Vikings in the playoffs? I didn't think they could even beat the Cheaters in the playoffs, but right now I'm not so sure if they couldn't have beat the Cheaters in the playoffs.
6: Anything can happen, but this, this team would... No, no, not anything can happen. It cannot be dangerous. Well, that's you a loser's mentality, me in my opinion. Team. I don't
1: buy it at all. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Well... I don't buy it. I, I, you don't have to. That's well, the reality, yeah. though, Kevin. Sorry. If I don't buy it. If you back and look
6: at it without the Hudat goggles on and you just say, let's, let's I, evaluate I don't, I don't, every NFL uh, team, you lead the league in penalties... That's not you true. You have the it's few not accurate. takeaways and the most giveaways... That is the recipe for uh, all right. I gotta, scoring, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go.
1: I, I gotta go, Joey. All right. Well, Eat, uh, okay. Take care. All right. We'll get one more call in on the game hotline before uh, we go take a timeout. Hello.
7: I just love following Joey. <laughs> <laughs> You've
1: done it for years.
7: I know, isn't that something? <laughs> I mean, I tried yesterday over and over and couldn't get in. <laughs> And I hear Joey I said, well, it must be my turn to call. <laughs> anyway, I agree with both of y'all. You know, it's uh, this was, to me, one of the most frustrating losses in memory. Oh, it was you know, up there for
1: sure, yes, sir.
7: They, uh, they played well in a lot of areas. Dalton did good. And, and I'm thinking all during the game, I said, well, if they find a way to lose this and they can't blame it on Dalton this time. And uh, Dalton hadn't been that bad. And uh, the defense has been doing really great. And then the hardest part for me to take is just an opportunity for them to sing the praises of Brady again. Yeah, it's just. I mean, enough of that already.
1: But uh, I mean, it was a suicide they, uh, mission. That's what that game was. It was a Mark Ingram suicide mission is what that game
7: was. Well, you, well, you know, over the years, my, my background, like in Alabama and, and Ingram and all that. Uh, I've I've been in his corner for years, but this year he hadn't – he's done. He's too long in the tooth. He's too fragile. And uh, I'm kind of aggravated at uh, AK-41. He's he's not running with passion or urgency. He's not hitting the holes. He's thinking before he – you know, he's taking too much time to move forward,
1: north and south. He hasn't been that player in two or three years. He's a seven-on-seven football player. That's what he is. And you can win with that, but you have to have a real NFL running back with him, and and he, he's a seven-on-seven seven football player. That's what he is.
7: Yeah, and, and Olavi, you realize that was his first drop? Oh, it's just so sickening. Yes. And then, and then Landry trying to get cute down there when he should have, you know, come on, man. They said it's an LSU thing. I don't know. But, uh, you know, because you look at Chase and the way he does, and you look at Jefferson – you know, what he's doing. And uh, Landry's just –
1: Landry's never really been that type of receiver. No, I don't think it has anything to do with showboat. And he just botched it. Uh, he just – Well. He hasn't already played. Well, he never plays. He's always hurt.
7: Yeah. And when he's playing, he he does something like that. I mean, that was a touchdown. That was terrible. There were there were opportunities there to put that game away oh, three or four
1: times. Absolutely.
7: And that's why it was so frustrating because uh, it's like the writing's on the wall. And I'm looking at the the lead. I'm looking at uh, Les Brady, and then.
1: But none of that away. would have mattered if the Bozo would have just taken one more step to the left. None of that would have mattered. I
7: know. First down, game over.
1: Yes, it's awful. I mean,
7: awful. It's, 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 I can't describe the frustration. It's like. But I agree with you. I've seen some good things, and I don't think Dennis Allen is that bad. I think he deserves another year. He just got to have a running back, and he gets some people back. I think Mike Thomas is done. You know, I don't see him ever playing. Well, I don't uh, know.
1: You know, that's a mystery.
7: They got to get rid of Ingram, they got to get a running back or two. And uh, it's like, Man, even Latavius Murray would have been
1: good to have the oh, other night. Oh, they should have never cut him. They should have never cut him. Just I, awful, I don't
7: understand just some awful. of those moves.
1: Yeah, it was just – I don't. I didn't get it. I, I, it was awful. What's well, great hearing from you, Rooster, I appreciate it. Take care. Hello, you, Joy. Bye. You too. Take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears to high school football with LCA head football coach Trev Falk. Next on the game.
0: You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame.
1: You can call and
0: proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this, Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes Kevin Foot on the game I want to remind you you can listen to all your Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel nonstop Christmas music 24/7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel you can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on your Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa so listen to holiday cheer 24/7 whenever you would like with the Louisiana christmas channel all right we have with us lafayette christian head football coach trev falk how are you sir
8: good morning good morning doing uh extremely well how are you oh man it was a
1: rough monday night you know it was it was a rough one so still trying to get over it and uh focus on other things like a great high school football weekend state championship games and Around here, the highlight is going to be the game is going to be played at noon in the Superdome on Friday, your nights against St. Thomas Moore. First of all, how much of a negative is playing at noon, or does that not really bother you?
8: It it doesn't really bother me. Um, We're we're really happy and excited to be there, excited um, about the opportunity to go out and compete for the state championship. And so... Um, would we have preferred a later time yes certainly but we just adjust the schedule and, and uh, we'll make it work
1: okay so let's say you know we've seen it where these nights where the games last long and you have a three game day and the game don't start till nine o'clock so would you rather start at like nine o'clock really late or like really early like noon
8: definitely noon that way you know we know where the first game end the game will start on time everything will kind of go according to schedule in terms of accessing and locker rooms and and all of those things so if, if those are the two options this is definitely the option that I would choose
1: all right so I'm going to start off with a tough question or maybe it's tough for us but it's easy for you so I've noticed especially in recent years with the escalations of offenses it's unbelievable the points that are being scored and your team is it's unbelievable y'all scored 138 points in the last two weeks so as the season goes on, it seems like it gets more difficult to play good defense, even for teams that play really good. Like, Turlings did not have a bad defense. They had a really good defense this year. And, and easier for offenses to execute as the year goes on. Kind of explain that, why you think that might be.
8: I'm, I'm really still trying to, trying to figure that out myself um, as well. I think just in in general the the timing offensively normally takes a little bit longer you kind of hear the cliche um, early on in, in camp in, in early season that um, defense comes together a lot faster than than offenses that offenses typically do and so that may have uh, something to do with it um, also I'm not sure of the volume of plays that that we're having to defend uh, meaning defenses throughout the throughout the state throughout the country Um are or, or having, are uh, playing a toll, or taking a toll rather? I'm sorry on uh, on some of the guys and offenses are feeling a little fresher because they typically rotate more guys through, especially when you have so many good perimeter skill guys. Um, I'm not sure that's a that's a good question. Though that I'm still trying to figure out myself.
1: So, um, I said last week or after I found, saw the matchup, man, I kind of feel sorry for the defensive coaches on these two teams, and you're kind of one of them. So, I guess i feel sorry for you. But these really two, I mean, just talk about these two offenses. I mean, y'all are on a roll, but St. Thomas Moore's has had a good offense all season as well.
8: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, it, it's definitely a, a, a challenging matchup. Uh, definitely a challenging matchup. Definitely a challenging matchup. They do a really good job. Uh, in both the running game and the passing, in the passing attack, and they're, they're patient and they take what they give you, and they have some, you know, they do a good job in terms of dialing it up and calling it and keeping you on balance. And they have some really good players out there that execute at a high level, and uh, and we have the same. So it, I think um, we, we definitely have our our work cut out for us, but it's a challenge that that we're looking forward to on Friday. All
1: right. So last week. Uh... Looking back at the first matchup with Turlings in district play, both of y'all kind of had scoring opportunities that kind of didn't take advantage of, and turnovers were a big thing. What what about the the uh, game, the first matchup with STM kind of sticks out in your mind going into this game?
8: Well, for us, it was kind of a, a tale of two halves. Um, just speaking of, on the defensive side, well, really the entire the entire. But we are down we are down ten to zero. at at halftime, had played pretty well defensively in the first half, had um, held them to a field goal and and did some good things of uh, keeping them out of the end zone. And then, um, you know, defensively, uh, we had gotten down there a couple of times, and their defense held and uh, kept us out of the end zone. And then in the second half, uh, both offenses kind of exploded and um, exchanged scores back and forth. So uh, we're we're looking – on our end, to put together a, a complete, complementary game, offensively, defensively, special teams-wise, and um, that's what it's going to take for us to have a, to, to, to have success Friday.
1: I often wonder how many adjustments can you really make at halftime in the NFL? The halftime is so short. I don't know how they make all these adjustments that they claim to make. But and, and it just seemed like y- y'all first matchup with STM. It just seems like there was unbelievable how many adjustments the two offenses made.
8: Yeah, and one I, I think um, you know, they, we, both both of those, our staff, their staff, do a really good job of of, of taking what's there and, and putting guys in position to, to make plays. the Old cliche, but we also have really good players on both sides, and so yeah, you're right. That was really an impressive showing that that uh, that both offenses had in that, that third and fourth quarter.
1: So what is the thing about STM, different from even Turlings? And look, y'all played so Y'all played in a brutal, incredible schedule. So playing good players is not new to y'all. But what is it about STM that has you a little concerned as far as what they do, maybe even better than any of the other teams or most of the other teams on your schedule this year?
8: Um, I think it's uh, kind of what we just what were just talking about. And, and unfortunately, we saw that so. Uh, in the game last week against Turlings, where you can kind of have them bottled up, and and uh, you're doing some really good things to uh, to slow them down defensively, and then they can kind of explode on you uh, really quickly. And so, uh, just being able to play consistent uh, defense against those guys will be really, really key um, in the game. And uh, defensively, um, they've done a really good job, uh, and, and and even. In the games where we, we had some success, um, in the first game, their defense was still opportunistic and being able to come up with some big stops and uh, being able to force some turnovers and, and doing things like that. So uh, they're just a really well-rounded ball club, uh, really good program, um, and they just, they'll just show up consistently and just keep coming, play after play after play. So um, we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to be really consistent. In, uh, in our approach and defending every down and trying to execute offensively every down.
1: Everyone knew coming into this season that your quarterback Juwan Johnson was a good player, but he seems to be playing at a higher level now than even he was, in, like at midseason, like why is that? Where has he gotten better, or what areas has he improved that it just seems like he's almost unstoppable at times right now?
8: Right now, he's uh, his confidence level, his his of of the offense and understanding um, where to go with the ball and when we are comfortable um, in buying time because he wants to throw the ball first and buying time to throw it, but also knowing uh, when things break down in the passing game that I can go and, and run and pick up first downs and keep the chance moving. Uh, also, uh, we've had some guys that have really come on strong and had great year for us at the receiving core and, uh, and our offensive line has done a really good job of maturing and with a couple of new starters up there. And so it just kind of come together. Um, I think even the same has to be said for, uh, our offensive coaches, our coordinator, uh, Hunter Landry, um, he is more confident and more comfortable in knowing and moving pieces around and, and putting guys in positions with routes and things like that, that they do best. And so, um, when it's it's been unbelievable
1: to watch. Like Trey Grogan, who had over 220 yards receiving and five touchdowns the other night. Unbelievable. The other thing that has impressed me this season is the play of St. Thomas Moore quarterback Sam Altman, who, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was a two-quarterback system coming from last year, from the time when Walker was out before he came back, and and uh, it, it worked out that it's just him. And he has been tremendous, it seems like, the last six weeks or so for STM. What do you see from him on film?
8: I think uh, it's kind of some of the same things that I, I just spoke about, um, about Joanne. in terms of uh, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, I feel like the more reps that he's gotten in their system, uh, the more comfortable that he's gotten in understanding. And he has some really good receivers on the outside. They have a good running game as well that helps to balance the attack. So to keep you from, uh, trying to make them one-dimensional or playing only one or the other um but he's he's been really impressive to watch on film and as the seasons kind of progressed uh he started making more plays with his legs um and uh he had a couple of big scrambles against us a, b- a big run touchdown run against us as well so um he, he's been really impressive to watch
1: all right so there's all the x's and O's of it and then there's the just matchup just You know, how cool is it for you that, you know, this year, two Lafayette Paris teams playing for a state championship. We've seen that in other sports, but not really in football. So just the atmosphere, I know it would be better if it was probably starting at 6 or 7 o'clock than noon, like we talked about at the beginning. But just having the magnitude of two Lafayette Paris teams playing for a state championship like this, how cool is that?
8: Yeah, it's really cool, uh, really cool, and, and it's something, and you've had me on before, and you know how big of an advocate I am for for life, the, ball, the the level of football that we play here in Lafayette and throughout the Acadiana area, and so I think uh, this matchup just kind of speaks to, um, you know, the, the level of commitment that there is in all side, on all sides, from administrations to players to coaches, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really fun to be able to to kind of showcase um, our ball, our, our area um, against each other on the, on the biggest scale that Louisiana high school football is.
1: All right. So, is the key just how many stops or turnovers? I mean, it stops and slash turnovers are not going to be easy to get for these two defenses. But which ones can keep you know hold into a field goal or get a stop? I mean, is it really just about? trying to get as many of those as possible. That's going to be the difference between winning and losing.
8: Well, I think it, it'll come down for, you know, for us, in um, my eyes, just your your typical winning football critical elements, uh, being able to defend the run, protecting the ball on offense, punching it in in the red zone when you get an opportunity, being really good on special teams and being able to create a big uh, play in an unconventional way, whether it's, through the return game, whether it's a, an interception defensively or, you know, a broken play that you can kind of score off of offensively. So, um, like you said, two really dynamic offenses, but also um, I, I, I believe that uh, it'll, it'll come down to the things that your game's kind to come down to each week.
1: All right, Coach, we appreciate your time as always. Look forward to seeing this great matchup on Friday, and good luck to you all.
8: Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take
1: care, Lafayette Christian head football coach Trev Falk. You know the thing about these two offenses is they score so many. Yeah, you, the red zone is important. It's always important, but with these two offenses, they ain't you know LCA put up sixty eight. They ain't scoring too many in the red zone. I mean, they were scoring from both of these offenses with a Christian McNeese and. Uh, you know, the incredible weapon that St. Thomas Moore has at wide receiver. Like, they just they have the ability to score from long distances a lot. And so, it's got, you know, again, I don't know what's going to happen. You never know how games are going to transpire. But this just seems like it's got offense, offense, offense written all over it. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears to the hardwood. We'll talk to UL women's basketball coach. Gary Broadhead next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Kevin
0: Foote. <laughs> An award winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand
1: in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the host bounty gate silliness.
0: His descriptions of illnesses are
1: extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this Bounty Gate ceiling. Dr. Foot is ready
0: to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team. Here with more footnotes on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you to look on the game website and join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's kitchen there as well as put yourself in position to win other prize seasonally again you can't win any of these regulars are seasonal prizes uh if you don't join the game club clubhouse so go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today all right we have with us ul women's basketball coach gary broadhead how are you sir i'm
9: doing great Ken. how about you
1: oh you know not good after monday night it's it was, it was It was bad. It was one of of the worst ones of my lifetime. And, uh, you know, if God keeps me alive for 20 or 30 more years, we'll still be agonizing about it. But anyway, we'll (laughs) shift gears, trying to talk about other things. Um, Right now, it's it's been a strange season for for y'all, it seems like, so far. I mean, do you kind of feel that way? A lot of things maybe not quite what you expected going in?
9: Yeah, I do, you know, because I thought we had a great summer, you know, having everybody and kind of looking, uh, you know, how we looked offensively and defensively. I thought, you know, it was going to be one that was going to be pretty easy transition coming in, you know, just losing Kai. I thought, you know, we've kind of replaced her with, you know, three players. And then, you know, with Brandy coming back and how good she looked and all that. And even coming out of the summer, you know, it's like, I thought, man defensively can we get it, you know? And I think that was a surprise, you know, we we're a lot better defense defensively at the time now than we, I thought we'd be, but then offensively, we are struggling a little bit, you know, getting comfortable and all that. Uh, I just felt, uh, you know, just watching the scrimmage all summer and how we were scoring against our own defense and stuff like that. I thought, wow, you know, we were going to be really good offensively and just, you know, it's, to me, we're getting open looks and just knocking them down. And so we hopefully get a little bit more comfortable you know, practice this morning was really good. Uh, you know, it, it's great right now. We're getting ready to get out of finals and spend a little bit more time in the in the gym and try to you know correct a lot of the things that we we kind of go into. All
1: right, so it is. Uh, you know, obviously. You mentioned, you know, Ty graduated or ran out of eligibility. And then Brandy gets hurt right before the season, which was a huge blow. But then also Lene Wheaton, she was really good at the end of last season. Now, offensively, she's been kind of battling an injury herself. What does what the injury situation look like to where you might be able to get – because, you know, I think most of us thought she was going to be your leading scorer after Brandy got injured.
9: And I'm, you know, that's what the plan was too. Is like even during the summer, she had improved so much on her three, and she looked so much comfortable, you know, really comfortable. And then, you know, she hurts her wrist, and you know, I think it's uh, the wrist is a lot better. I think it's just a mental state of getting some confidence back. You know, because she really is that type of player. Gets down on herself when she misses shots, and you know, most shooters don't worry about missing shots. She kind of is a little different. You know, she's more of a jump shooter. And, uh, you know, she's able to get shots when she needs them, you know, or when we need them. And, you know, I think that was the thing. You know, we uh, we go to Texas and we just didn't really shoot it well. And she was one of them, man. She got a lot of open looks. And, you know, I think her confidence level kind of came down. Now I'm seeing it kind of come back. We sat her the last game, you know, trying to rest her a little bit. And, you know, even in practice the last couple of days, we – we kind of wrestling. Now, today, she practiced and looked really good. So, hopefully, we can get some of that confidence back because she can score. She's going to be able to get her a shot. You know, we just need her to be a little bit more consistent at
1: it. All right. So, you played two teams this past week that obviously you were clearly better than on paper, and you all won both games. And now your next game is going to be Sunday at Auburn. So, it, the the, the were those last two games what you needed? And is this a good time to be playing someone like Auburn on the road? Or, or how do you look at all that?
9: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you try to schedule it to where you can kind of, you know, get a lot of playing time for everybody. Uh, so I think we needed that. And we kind of, you know, we didn't kind of see what we wanted to see. We were kind of hoping to see a little bit more from the bench. And, you know, it kind of reiterates maybe that we're going to have to stick with certain lineups. You know, I know you always talk about seven, the first seven or eight, and that's kind of, you know, just at practice this morning, I was kind of like, you know, who can we count on, you know, to, to be a little bit more consistent and get some confidence in it. It looks like we got about eight kids, you know, that we can, you know, that right now that we can feel a little bit comfortable with that we'll go into Auburn and probably play, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you got to find out, you know, what type of team you have when you play a team like Auburn. They got size, their guard play is is really good, and they got size at the guards, and. You know, anytime you play an SEC team on the road, it's always kind of tough. So, it's a great time, I think. You know, win or lose, you know, can we see some improvement in what we're doing? You know, whether it's on the offensive side, not turning the ball over, rebounding, all those things, you know, we have to continue to get better at And You know, you got, what, three more games and then you you start conference. So, it's why you play the the preseason. You try to schedule it to where it's going to match up to where, you know, you can build on going into conference.
1: All right, you mentioned the height of Auburn. So you have some big girls this year, and one of them is a little bit more on the defensive side, and one of them is a little bit more on the offensive side. Once you get to conference play, how big a role is that size going to be in terms of the other teams in the league? How many of them have bigs, or is it more a guard-oriented league, does it look like?
9: You know what, Kev? It's always been a guard-oriented league. I'm I'm going on my 11th year. So for 10 years, it was always about the guards, you know, and how you could guard and how you could turn people over. And, you know, you had hybrids at the post position. You know, it was very seldom that they had a six three, six four. But now adding all, you know, like Old Dominion's big. And, you know, James Madison's still more guard-oriented. Southern Miss is big. I mean, they got six three, six four, and they're athletic. So, you know, you're looking at bringing in some other teams that are going to be a little bit bigger than normal. Like they're coming into our league in their style of play. So it's going to be interesting because we hadn't played those teams. Uh, I mean, we played a little bit of Southern myth over the years, but you know, we haven't even seen old dominion and, you know, just on film. So it's going to be different. You know, I think the league, you know, with the 14 teams, you're going to see some different styles of play. Uh, But I think the teams that are returning are still playing what we call small ball. You know, I think we, honestly, I feel that we created that, you know, when we came in you know there weren't many people doing that you know they were you know they were trying to play bigs that couldn't you know that they were trying to pound it and they were trying to be like the Big 12 and the Big 10 and all that and we came in and all of a sudden I started noticing like people calling me about well, what do you do here what do you do there and all that and then now it almost became a league of of small ball to me you know and uh, and a pretty fec- effective league too you know Lil Rock was always kind of good at it Uh, and he always kind of did a lot of the same thing because of his defensive style. But, like, right now with uh, Old Dominion coming in and James Madison, uh, Marshall, I'm sure they're probably a little bit bigger, too, you know. So, we're going to look at something a little different that's going to change the league.
1: Well, it just seems like, as you always say, now that, you know, when finals are over at the end of this week, y'all are going to be able to really get in the gym and – uh, and, and and try to improve some of the areas that you need improvement but when it comes down to shooting is it, it it's it seems like these games against Lamar and then Sunday against Auburn and then you got one uh, one other game before you start conference play it, you're gonna need to see it in those games right the shooting more even more so than in practice I would think
2: Yeah, and, you know,
9: being in a dome right now is going to help us. You know, right before we went on the Texas swing, when we went to the WNIT and all that, we were in, uh, you know, we wasn't in the dome. You know, we are practicing in a small gym, uh, claw, and all that. And so when we got to Texas Tech and to to the Moody Center at Texas, we didn't really, I mean, we didn't shoot it. So it could have had an effect on us because when we even came back here uh, for practice, it was a little difficult. So, you know, we've been like, You know, this morning we practiced in the Dome. I know we'll have to be out on Friday, but tomorrow we'll practice in the Dome. So I think us practicing in the Dome, kind of getting used to playing in a a big arena or practicing in a big arena is going to help us. You know, going to Auburn, you know, they're going to have a nice facility. Lamar has a nice facility. So it's going to give us opportunity to see how we can handle that uh, going into conference.
1: All righty, sir. Well, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing the team continue to progress. And good luck uh, Sunday uh, at Auburn.
9: All right, Kev. Appreciate uh, you, man. Uh, have a good one. Go occasion.
1: All right. Take care. UL Women's Basketball Coach Gary Broadhead will take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you your Alexa or Google Home Speaker. Help you out all the time at home. Allows you to control your lights, thermostats, all kinds of things. Do you know that you can also use it to get the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette or 1041 Lake Charles with you, at home, office, wherever you go. All right. Uh, the latest rumors, and again, these— I, It's kind of like when you get all these reports before the trade deadline, you read them and you're like, it's just, it's so hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. But it seems like if you believe, you know, a little recent flurry of tweets that have been put out there, that the St. Louis Cardinals are close to signing Wilson Contreras. Now on one hand, I hate that because supposedly the Cubs and the Cardinals are these big rivals. And so, you know, I, I think that's disgraceful, but, um but from an Astros standpoint, I, I I prefer to have Murphy if they're gonna get one of them than the other that than then Contreras just worries me a little bit. I'd rather I'd rather do Brantley if they think he's healthy or Benintendi um if they can sign him as an outfielder and then more of a defensive catcher like a, a Murphy that has pop potential. You know, I I really I you now If I'm the A's, would I trade with the Astros? Maybe they feel like they're not really contenders anymore, so they feel like they can do that even though it's in the division. Um, It is – I'd rather Murphy is what I'm saying. So I kind of hope – I'm not saying Contreras can't work out, but I kind of hope that he does sign with the Cardinals, especially if the Astros could then – check that option off the list and ended up making a deal and getting Murphy on the team because I I, for one Murphy's already familiar with the the division and the and the league and Contreras is it so you have that obstacle and Murphy's like a gold glove catcher and Contreras is not and uh, you know and I I just, I I, I would like that a little more. But we'll see. I mean, they might not get either one of them. Um, You know, we've heard Jorge Alfaro as a possible other catcher whose name. We've heard, you know, keeping Christian Vasquez. Um, You know, we've heard Contreras, and we've heard Murphy. So they need to get, I don't think they're going to go into this season with one of the young catchers that they have. I don't expect that to happen. But maybe they will if they don't get any other option. You know, none of the other options come through. Um, maybe they will, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. So uh, the Astros. I mean, who else? Who knows what all they're gonna do in this offseason. season? But it seems like they're really trying to get another bat in the outfield and a second catcher. So hopefully, they can come out at least one of those this week, and then. See what happens after that from here on out. But uh, a lot of baseball talk because it's the hot stove league and the winter meetings are going on and some major, major signings. Whether, you, uh, whether you're like most people and, and you think it was a great deal for the Yankees or you're like me and uh, if I was a Yankee fan, I'd rather them would have just signed with the Giants. There's no arguing that, you know, Aaron Judge is a humongous signing and a huge domino to fall for uh, other potential signings and and other teams trying to – fill out their lineups for the upcoming season. It, again, I said it about an hour ago. I, I think it's going to be an incredible baseball season I, next year. Uh, just looking like from all the player movement and the momentum that so many of these teams have moving forward. I mean, it, it, it really could be an incredible baseball season and one that's going to be fun to be watching from a hammock. The other thing that's really funny is all the people that call me negative. <laughs> it's so funny. Y'all are so wrong. Uh, Have a nice day.